The following program is produced by the Tech Talk Radio Network. Hey folks, this is Sam Kinison, and you're listening to Tech Talk Radio right here. You understand that, you geek? Oh! Oh! <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Sean DeWeird. And I'm Justin Lemmy. And we are the show that talks about computers. Techno- technology. And the, uh, um, that other thing. The internet, yes! <laughs> We we can't Sorry, let crap, we can't Charlie. let anything go. We have to we have to give each other a hard time. Yeah. So yeah, got to do that. All right. Uh, first question right off the bat. You know. Oh, no. And and we're thinking about the biggest biggest news stories, the biggest tech stuff. What is this deal with the guys from South Park? Looks like now they officially have <laughs> bought this restaurant. For our no. listeners who have no idea, no. I know. I heard. To, as a matter of fact, today. No, not officially. No, it hasn't happened yet. No. Oh, well, I thought it officially happened. No. Okay, okay. But, but but say what you're going to say about people that don't know it. Okay, Go so but you, you're you in Denver yes. where this restaurant is. Yes. All right, Sean has been it's, to this restaurant. I love that restaurant. It's amazing. Okay, just stop, just stop right there, Sean. No, I've, never been, I've never been to this restaurant before, and for a restaurant to just exhilarate Sean so much, I know it's got to be good. So I, I would love, love to get a little background okay. on this place. You talked about it once, like really briefly, but w- w- tell us about this. So the restaurant name is Casa Bonita, and it is a Denver landmark. It's actually a historical building. It's in a strip mall, though, but they've classified that section of the strip mall as a historical building because it's been around since, gosh, I can't remember. I think it's the 70s. It's a, it's a restaurant that is, I guess, more designed towards children. Their most famous... Well, they're famous for two things. One, the cliff divers. And then they're also famous for their horrible, horrible food. (laughs) Wait a minute. I'm thinking the food there has got to be the best in the world. No, not at all. No? It is is worse than the worst hole in the wall you could possibly No. Okay. Yes. Okay. (laughs) It's cafeteria food at best. Oh, you're kidding me. No, I'm not. But the thing is, is what, what keeps people coming back is the atmosphere. The cliff divers, the games for children. I mean, there's all kinds of like arcade games and like ski ball and there's a puppet show and there's a maze and there's a hidden cavern of dangers. I mean, all kinds of things kids can do. How so did they, how did it get so popular though with these guys? Because it was so bad, but it was so good. At the so same I, time. I have I have been there in probably well, two decades, right? right? It's been a long time since I've been there. Do they still have the things where you raise the little flags? Yes, of course they do. I think the reason people kept coming back because of the sopapillas. They have the best sopapillas. In fact, they and, and so what? Here's how it works: you walk in, you check in, you buy your meal at this register, and then you got to get in a long, snaking line. Think TSA on Thanksgiving. Oh my! It yeah. sounds like you know, like a buffet line or something. It like is. That. It's like a buffet yeah. line. It's like a cafeteria. But you get in this long line that drapes you through all these hallways, and everything's kind of like Indiana Jones slash Mexican theme. I mean, it it's really cool. It it's really cool looking. And then you get to the point where you pick up your food, and it's literally a cafeteria. They just put a tray out on the on the thing with your number on it, and you just pick up your food and go. And then you walk up to a hostess who then greets you into the restaurant. And you actually go and you find a table and you sit down and she puts this little flag and the flag means you need service, whether it be just, uh, you know, uh, more tacos. I mean, everything is it's it's all you can eat, everything. So if you want more burritos, you want more enchiladas, you want more tacos, you want more sopapillas, you just raise that little flag when she comes around or he comes around, you just be like more and they just bring you more. 
I'll um, just I'll just talk about this place. I I honestly have thought that it's like the best food in the world. <laughs> it was like you know like going to, yeah, to sure Guadalajara. It is, and, and you should totally come. Wow. No, but here's the thing. It's been closed down since COVID. Right. Right. And it was already kind of going through a weird situation before the owners. Nobody's updated it. Like it's getting old. It's looking aged. Did they realize what a gem they had though? They I mean, do, but they just didn't have the money because even though it's such a gem, people said don't go there because the food's bad. In fact, <laughs> at one point they literally had the business next door, right. which was a brewery had food trucks parked out front of Casa Bonita. Oh, man. So people could eat before they go to Casa Bonita. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not lying. I'm telling you, but that's how they got away with it because they're an adjacent business, and they were like, hey, we got food trucks. People want to come to ours before they go to yours. That's fine. Right, you, right. You can't stop it. But they literally had taco trucks parked out front of Casa Bonita because the food is known to be so bad. However, like I said, the atmosphere is good. And I think, honestly, they're really banking on children. Children will eat anything. Oh, true, yeah. They're enthralled by the cliff divers. They're enthralled by the atmosphere. They're just so taken back that they just sit there and eat. They don't even realize what they're eating. <laughs> and the parents are like, yep, I'm just going to sit here and sip on my so, Modelo. So that's why I liked it. Because I went there as a kid. Me too. I went there as a kid. Right. And I, I went thought there... it was the best thing ever. I have some family history in Colorado. So it's like we always liked going to Casa Bonita with my family because we were went there when I was younger. It was just fun for kids, right? Yeah. I went there when I was like, I think 12, and I thought it was the greatest thing ever. But going back as an adult about uh, three years ago, two years ago, something like two years ago, I walked in expecting this amazing place and i knew all the reviews i knew the people talking about how the food was bad i'm like nah, i don't matter about that it's fine i go in and i'm like wow first off this place is a lot smaller than i remember because as a kid everything is massive you know so it is still it is still big it's just right. not as big as i remembered it being and then the food i'll gotta be honest with you man it wasn't that bad it wasn't great but it wasn't like, okay, I can't eat this. Like, if you're a food snob, I right. get it. You're not going to want to eat this. But me, being in the Navy, eating yeah. Navy food, I realized this was nothing. I was like, eh, that's not bad. I grew up on Chef Boyardee, so, you know, my expectations are low for anything. That any is like a five-star restaurant compared to <laughs> Casa <Bonita>. Um <laughs> But, okay, so going back to the original story, right? The South Park creators, right? They're from Colorado. Originally. Uh, I, didn't see, I didn't know that. Well, that's what South Park is. So mm. South Park, Colorado, is not an actual city. Right. South Park is just a pass. Like, you're driving over, and it says you're in South Park, like, and that's it. But they are from Fairplay, Colorado. And uh, I think Fairplay and uh, uh, Buena Vista. They okay. Call it, yes, they call it Buena Vista, not Buena Vista. Right. I, I said that once when I was there, and I got corrected. Um, Buena, Buena Vista. They're from those locations. Those are tiny little towns near South Park. So that's Trey Parker and, and Matt Stone, the guys that created South correct. Park. Yes. And so they featured it in, in South they Park, did. their show, right? They did. Back in, I think it was 2003 or 2004, Sean, do you remember which year that, or maybe it was 2005, mm -hmm. early when, 2000s, when they featured when, Cas Bonita in South oh, Park. Oh, long time ago. I can look it up. Yeah, it was. I think it was 2005. Ago. Anyway, they featured an episode where the guys go to Cas Bonita. And Cartman actually sits in the gazebo. And when I went there as an adult just a couple of years ago, I actually asked for the South Park table when we got to the point after we had had our food in our hand 
We talked to the server. Right. And I'm like, can I get the South Park table? And she kind of was like, um, yeah, I guess. There's nobody up there, though. Like, it wasn't that busy, so they weren't serving that section. So she pointed up there at the table. And I'm like, okay, I don't – okay, fine. I don't want the table. I just want to go up there. <laughs> yeah. And so I went up there, and there literally is, like, I don't know. I want to say engraved, but there's the, – the South Park characters are in the table. Oh, no, like that's their, cool. Their image. They, yeah. They, 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 like, emboss them or something into the table. Uh, kind of like a vinyl sticker, but it's been epoxied over or something. But, yeah, so that's the South Park table. I do. I think you'll appreciate this. Uh, Yahoo Entertainment, I think, got it wrong. Um, because if you read some of the stories out of uh, CBS Denver, you know, they talk about <clears throat> the fact that they may have agreed to purchase Casa Bonita, right? They Which, did agree. Yeah. They came so, to agreement, but they have to wait. That's the caveat. Okay, so Yahoo's story. And tell me what this sounds like. Uh, South Park creators buy Casa Bonita restaurant after $900 million deal. Okay. <laughs> does that not sound like they bought the restaurant for $900 million? It does. and that But is that's the, not the case. Well, no, it's not. Technically. They got a $900 million deal, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, yeah. for new content, new, new shows. Yahoo Entertainment Story says this, this decision comes a week after South Park creators landed a $900 million deal with Viacom CBS to continue the animated series through 2027. So, no. So, so they're not okay, saying. Now you got me questioning. See, I'm, I'm looking at this article. I'm saying, wait a minute. Everybody's getting it wrong. You're right. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, software creators buy Casa Media Rest after, after nine. Okay, see? See, they make it sound like they bought the it. There's a problem with the media. It's one single word that throws you off. So they did not buy it for $900 million, But the way Yahoo does their headline, it sounds like they paid $900 million for yeah, it. exactly. I get it now. Okay. All no, right. they did not buy it for $900 million. So that, that episode aired in 2003. All right. And apparently the Denver Broncos did their draft picks there in 2018. Yep, they did. It's that popular. It is. This. Wow. It is. It is a legendary place. If you come to Denver, Colorado, and you have not gone to A, Red Rocks, and yeah. B, Casa Bonita, you have not seen Colorado. Oh, wow. They're going to do some reno renovations. They already said in a separate interview that they were going to renovate things, and people begged them. The number one thing. Please make the food better. Like, we don't mind yeah. the cafeteria style. I mean, that yeah. keeps people flowing through. Yeah, it's like Luby's just, or something. Just yeah. make the food better. And right. I think that's what they're going to do. They're going to update the interior, the decor, the games, um, the activities for kids. But then they're going to update the food. And I think then, I think we will see a reopening of Casa Bonita October of 2022. Cool. That would be cool. All right. So one of the, the other things, we talked about this last week on the show. And... Um, you know, when we were talking about it, I was like, wow, you know, I don't know. Is this is this interesting stuff? And then when I listened back to the show this week, I thought, wow, this is really compelling stuff about this hacker, which they're calling now a white hack hacker. Oh, uh, yeah. That went in and uh, got some crypto out of Poly Network. And, you know, the word that, that came out, the uh, like, seriously, a couple of days before the show ran was that this person did it for fun and that the intention was to return all the money. Well, apparently, according to CoinDesk, they're saying that money has not been all returned yet. Um, I even heard that Poly Network said, we're going to give this person $500,000 for helping us, you know, locate and track down the problem that we had that allowed this to happen. But now okay. we're finding out that might not be the case. That might be that uh, $268 million of the $600 million that was taken has been returned. 
but the rest of it has not been returned yet. So that means some people are holding the bag on this one and some people are a little upset. So, well, yeah. So again, going back to this, you know, last comment about the Yahoo store about Casabonita, the media initially, again, reported that all the money got returned. Yeah. That's what I had heard. And that's, that's the problem with the media. They go on the very first thing they see and bam, you know, they're like, they report on it. Uh, I think there would need to be some due diligence. Like you just said, they did some due diligence. Finally, corrected their story and said, there's still a lot of money missing. Yeah. Now I remember the, the original hack, Sean, didn't, didn't the original, didn't he, didn't you say the guy from the original hack, or maybe that was John. I thought it was you, Sean, but said that the guy was like spending money left and right. Oh, just all the articles said that he, they had to freeze the assets cause it was just, he was spending the money. He had it and he could spend it. So they froze, mm. uh, they froze his the wallet. Fro- they they froze his wallet. Yeah. It, uh, Maybe that's just, why it's not all of it's been returned yet is because there's no access to it. Well, could be, but that brings up another question. The blockchain is supposed to be decentralized. It is supposed to be somewhat anonymous. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, I, and people hear that word and they're like, oh, gosh, you know, you're going to want to do illegal things. No, no, I just don't want to be tracked. And if if you can freeze a wallet address because somebody's spending too much money or let's say for instance the mm-hmm. government that's the huge thing that's the huge thing people want to do this because they don't want the government to have to have control over their you know the banks and stuff like that right that's why mm-hmm. people want crypto if the government could just walk in and say hey freeze this wallet well you you're no better off than with a bank well they they can do the same thing with a bank you I know, know with they a court can. order they can I know, go ahead I'm and I'm saying I was saying so if they just walk into a crypto exchange and say yeah freeze this freeze this wallet Freeze yeah. this crypto wallet. Well, bam, you're back to being just like you were in a bank. So how is this supposed to be this free market, this free world, you know, with, with stuff? Do you think it's possible that um, they want to make crypto look like a toy? Yep, they want to make it look so. like it's not an actual uh, authentic currency. That it, And there are people listening to me right now going, it's not, Andy. But, I mean, do you think that's that's one of the ideas behind some of this? I mean, yeah, we've seen this happen. And now people don't understand. They hear six hundred million. They think I don't even comprehend that amount of money. That's a lot of money. It really is. Yeah, it's a lot of money. As much as we hear about big institutions getting in on crypto, like uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, and you know, there's all—I mean, just all these other companies out there that are, yeah, we're going to be in crypto now. Mm-hmm. You don't hear about what could be happening in the back rooms. These big banks and the governments of the world getting together and possibly saying, nah, we can't have this happen. We got to shut this stuff down. So let's figure out a way to do it without people knowing that we're doing it. So I don't know. I mean, there, there definitely could be some conspiracy behind it. I don't know. I, I really just wish we had our friend Joe Blackburn right now to, to talk about it. Cause yeah. I mean, he is, we tried to get him last week, but we did. Um, we, Joe Blackburn is a guy who, uh, well founded, uh, the, the largest, uh, crypto, Facebook group, uh, crypto coin trader. And, uh, he's the moderator and founder of that group. And there's gosh, over a couple hundred thousand people in that group, but, uh, it's a really good group and it's very educational. Um, but I, yeah, I wish we had him on the show to talk about that. Actually, if people want to try and get like a better grip of that, what do they do? You mentioned the Facebook group. I take a look at it, right? I definitely say check out crypto coin trader. Also, there's a, a gentleman on crypto coin trader, um, and by the name of Tim Pace. And now he's another one of the uh, admins. 
uh, Tim Pace, uh, he offers his own course in cryptocurrency trading. It's a private course. It's offered uh, through uh, YouTube, but you can't find it on YouTube unless you pay him because it is a private course. So oh. um, you, if, you, if you're a part of CryptoCoin Trader, reach out to Tim Pace. Uh, he offers his uh, trading course, and he teaches you all the basics from understanding charts to understanding Bitcoin to, you know, whatever. And then onto the advanced topics of setting stop losses and trading, you know, uh, at, at various times of the market and stuff like that. So I would recommend if you really are serious, yeah, I'd say that's the route. Have you ever done like a course online where you sit down and you've got a lesson plan and you've got to go through that? You know, uh, for a lot of us, our kids and our grandkids, nieces and nephews are, are doing that now with, with homeschooling. Some have not gone all the way back to school. Some have, have come back uh, to home for homeschooling. Has um, Have you ever actually done this so people can understand the experience of what it's like to take a course online? Yeah, it's, for me, it sucks. <laughs> I, I hated it. So right right after the pandemic, so right before the pandemic started, I was supposed to go to Canada for uh, sw uh, video switcher training for with a company called Ross. They make a lot of video switching devices and other video. And I, I literally had plane ticket booked and I was supposed to leave like maybe a week before the pandemic shut us down. So I did it online. And you didn't like I, it. I, I hated it because they wanted me to do it from home. <laughs> right. So here I am sitting on my couch with a laptop in my lap, trying to take notes, getting distracted by every little thing, getting up to get something to eat, getting up, getting something to drink, trying to come back, sit on my couch, get uncomfortable, get up, go downstairs, sit on my computer downstairs, get distracted by a video game, mm -hmm. get up. It's just, I am not a good at home learner. Learner, yeah. Yeah. And Neither am I. I agree. 100%. I am a, you need to sit me down in front of the keyboard so I can push the buttons to see how it works. And I don't know, just virtual learning doesn't work for me. Just doesn't work for my brain. What about you yeah. guys? Well, same thing. I don't, I don't, it's the same thing. I get distracted, you know? The only so. time I've ever had to do is when work has had me do one of those, uh, you know, the, the security uh, little quizzes about oh, fishing, yeah. oh, and yeah. you guys probably had to take those too. Yeah, uh, and you know they're not bad. They're like thirty minutes. I can't imagine sitting for like two, three hours. And I know a lot of uh, the students that go to some of those universities that are all online. That's what they do. They sit for two, three, four hours a day, do their schoolwork, and then they go off about their life. But they're sitting in front of a computer to make that happen. And I, I kind of wonder if that. God, that, that's got to be really rough. For yeah, a long and, time, and, yeah, and especially, so I've got a friend who has three kids who are all in grade school. So you have three, This they ran into this issue. His wife works from home, he's gone, and they have three kids. They struggled with their Wi-Fi bandwidth. Oh, yeah. Oh, you, yeah. Had, you had three kids streaming or doing Zoom calls, and then the mom had to work from home, so she's in Zoom meetings or other meetings, and then it's just a small home network isn't designed for that much content. What yeah. kind of upgrades can somebody do in that case? I mean, is it a matter of contacting your, your cable company, uh, whoever Sometimes. provides your internet or it, it, it can be a lot of places provide more speeds for more money. But at what point do you get your work involved and say, Hey, I'm working from home, pay me more money. <laughs> uh, yeah. Most people are saying, wait a minute, since you're working from home, you get to get a pay cut. 
Yeah, that's they, the they, thing. That's, that's a, been going around too. They're, they're talking about that. Uh, I can't remember which major company said that, but they were doing an audit. And if you're working from home, you're going to take a pay cut. But now here's the thing some people don't understand is you can, if you're working from home, you can write off a lot on your taxes. People think, oh, yeah, I know I can write off my internet. Okay, yeah, yeah, you can write off your internet. But did you realize that you can write off the depreciation value on your computer, especially oh, if it's that. your own computer? Really? Or did you know that you can write off your entire office space of your home square footage as an office? Especially me. I work in the basement. My tax guy was like, hey, what's your square footage of your of your office? I said, well, it's the basement. And he's like, do you just sit at your desk or do you walk around? you know, walk around. I'm like, of course I'm walking around. You know, I need to get off my desk for a while. You know, I'm on a phone call. I'll just, you know, pace, pace around in circles. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But he's like, okay, well then that's your office. And he's like, do you have a bathroom? I'm like, yep. Yeah. Well, let's add that to the square footage then too. Whoa. You know, so, so like you can add all this stuff and you can write all this off on your taxes. Well, you got to talk to your tax person. Sure. I mean, of course. And every state's probably going to be a little different, but still, yeah, of course that's uh that's pretty, I've never even thought about it that way. I can write off my electricity. I can write off my water bill. I mean, certain, right. you know, well, portions, portions, yeah, portions, portions of it, portions of it. Yeah. But, you know, like, and you kind of have to estimate like how, you know, that's why he was asking, like, do you have a toilet? Like, okay, well, how many so times you do don't necessarily have to be an LLC or, or anything no. like that? No, no, not at all. No. So is that why businesses maybe are going to be saying, you know, yeah, we can pay you less now because you're working at home? Yeah, I think so. I personally think so. I don't know. Yeah. But you got a lot of people that are also leaving, um, higher, like if you say you worked in Manhattan, Right, but you lived in New Jersey, so now you no longer have to commute and pay the, the fares or take the train or take yep. a cab. Yep. Right. So you don't need you all that extra move, money. You can move to an outlying city of New York or anywhere and work remotely. Yep. Yeah, and then you're going to pay less on your whatever your 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 house payment is, your your rent, wherever exactly. whatever you're doing there. Yeah. I think a, a lot of people were doing that. With, actually, in Phoenix, they were you know they were actually li living outside of Phoenix in Casa Grande and some of yep. those areas paying less. And now it's been even better for them because they don't have to commute into to Phoenix anymore. Well, you know, going up, upon that, uh, the topic of um, working from home or just moving to outlying places, I was watching an interesting video last night on YouTube uh, and it was talking about South Dakota. Now, that's what caught my attention because that's my home state. Yeah. You know, so talking about South Dakota right now is ranked fourth in the country for best places to live because hmm. of there's multitude of factors one uh taxes they they don't they don't do uh state income tax um they don't uh the cost of living first off is drastically lower right when you buy property in south dakota you actually get land you don't just get a plot on a you know busy neighborhood thing where there's no yard or you know you're right next door to your neighbors where you can reach out and touch them no you get you get land and then also it's very tax friendly to small businesses. It was rated second in the country. Uh, I think it was second, second in the country for the best places to start a business for South Dakota, Wow, South Dakota. And so cities like Sioux Falls, South Dakota is the, the big, I don't know if you guys know this too, but by the way, all your banks, if you ever look closely at your banks, like corporate mailing address, it is most likely in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Well, why is that? Because it is super tax friendly and these big businesses move out there. Sioux Falls is considered to be the financial capital of the United States besides Wall Street. But Sioux Falls is where all the banks are. 
Wow. And so if you go to Sioux Falls, uh, chances are, you know, one out of three people are going to be working in the financial industry. But anyway, going back to my point was you get property, you get land, you don't get taxed as much. Um, the, 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 the stress ratio is ranked, uh, your overall stress is ranked 48th out of 50, which is better. So like they're, you know, almost the least stressed state work life balance was ba- ranked third out of all the States. Like, so, you know, they, these companies don't require you to sit there and work, you know, all these long, long hours and these weekends, they understand you've got a family, you've got a life, you leave the job and you go home. Um, I'm really hoping to show that video to Misa because I know she doesn't want to live there because her big thing is it's too far from Japan. And I get it. You know, we have to take a flight to Denver and then to Japan. Right. right. But honestly, it's a great place to live. Would you ever think about moving to San Francisco? Because I know that <laughs> uh, that's, yeah, <laughs> right. Very expensive. To, and, and that's why a lot of the people that lived in the Silicon Valley, you know, they ended up moving there and, and they liked it. It was tech central. I mean, that would be great for you with your expertise. Yeah, right. But living there, forget it. Nope. Not get it. ever. Super expensive. Not right, ever. We're going to take a break. We come back. I actually got a tech product for the people who are working at home that actually is really good. And I think could could help a lot of people. I showed it on uh, KMSB Fox 11 this week. So I want to talk about it. We'll do that when we come back. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Sean DeWeird. And I'm Justin Lemmy. Find us on the web at techtalkradio.com. We'll be right back. And now, back to Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. I'm Justin Lemmy. I'm Sean DeWeird. And I'm Andy Taylor. All right, so, you know, we've been talking about working from home, and, you know, some people have, um, you know, gone back to the office, and now they're back at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and due to the Delta variant, uh, some are working hybrid models, which basically means you might work a couple of days in the office and then a couple of days at home. Uh, it's been a real challenge for those in the tech world. Uh, number one, you know, finding ways to, to safely integrate your, your workflow, uh, whether it be in the office or at home, so you're able to get your work done, make it easier for you. Uh, I told you that, you know, one of the ways that I found to make it easy was purchasing a second monitor for my laptop. And uh, last year I bought it, hundred and I think I paid 179 bucks for it. They're going mm. for about 260 now. And they've actually gone up in price. And I don't know why. Uh, if it's got anything to do with what we've been seeing in the tech industry, but it's one of those products that I just love every day. I use it. It's a lapel 15. It just works great. Um, and it gives me that, that a feeling like when I'm at, at uh, here at the radio station versus being at home in my home office, right? I've got two monitors set up there and I can easily drag, drop, drag and drop files left and right. I've got more screen to work with. I can look at the right side, and then if I want to work on something on the left side, I can do that. So it's like having two monitors, and it works great. Uh, well, some people have said their situation is they have two monitors at home, but they've been issued a company laptop. Uh, and I don't know, uh, Justin, if your work did this or Sean, yeah, did your company go ahead and issue laptops? Yeah. I have one. I had one regardless of COVID, right? I get one because I have to do a lot of work remote, not remotely, but in other rooms and other facilities where I need to have control. So I have a, a MacBook for work. Yeah, well, it, my, my company, one of the companies that I work for, because uh, it's not just here at the radio station, uh, is a big broadcasting company, and they gave me a laptop to use. But I'm so used to using big screens, I hate it because I'm doing everything on this little 
15-inch laptop. And the HDMI port was disabled, so I couldn't uh, I couldn't really act, you know, hook up an HDMI monitor to it. And so, you know, they had a lot of security and precautions on it. Well, I found a device that can help bridge that, and it uses USB to do it. If you have a USB 3.0, it's from a company called AcoDot, and I'm, I'm showing it to you guys on the screen. Uh, it's the AcoDot USB 3.0 docking station, and I decided I wanted to feature this type of technology, so I bought it. Uh, it was on Amazon for $89, and it, it's, it looks almost, if you look at it, it kind of looks what, like a... You know, like a a, a Wi-Fi. It's a, little, it's a little big. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it is. But here's the features that are on it. Uh, it's got four USB 3.0s. Uh, oh, nice. It's got an Ethernet. Uh, it has got HDMI. It has got a DVI port. Uh, it has a USB connector, and that is what you connect to your laptop, a USB 3.0 connection. You have to have that. So, you know, some Chromebooks that are on the market, or even some laptops, you got to be careful of that. They don't have USB 3. They have USB 2.0. So you don't you don't want to uh, get that, yeah. all right? Uh, it's powered, but it will not power the laptop. So, you know, saying it's a hub is it's more like a switch, but either way. Um, and then on the front of the device, it has two more USB 3.0 ports. And it's got some... And it's that? got audio jack. So, audio jacks, yeah. So if you've got a speaker set up, and your speakers on your laptop aren't that good, you can actually plug into here your speakers and everything hubs with this uh, special connection. And then you're, you're, able to, uh, you're able to actually connect two monitors up to this. That's really cool. And it comes with the connectors that can plug into DVI. And then you've got, depending on the type VGA, of monitor, yeah. VGA, and you've got HDMI out. But again, they're only, it's only about $89.00. For you to be able to express. So if you have a, say you have two systems, you know, two monitors, you come home, you don't carry this thing with you. You plug your laptop down, plug the USB cord into it and you're connected. You're good to go. Everything's mm -hmm. connected to this. And it's almost like having a full big system while you're at work. And, you know, I think uh, a lot of people have been looking for that uh, as a solution to be able to utilize two monitor systems. Or if you're doing a boardroom meeting, you know, Sean, I know you do these. You're like the AV guy in high school, right? You, yeah. you actually, you're the one who pulled in the projector and everybody knew, oh, yeah, we're going to see a movie today. <laughs> um, but you do the same thing with this. You could hook it up to, you know, a big 47-inch monitor HDMI out and extend your, your laptop without having to use some of that special equipment for presentations or the, an Epson projector or the whole bit. So it, so my so my question is, I'm going to be that tech nerd. Is yeah. It? So painfully pointed out to me um does it does it do hdcp because that's a big question for me so say i have that i take it to work with me i plug it in but i want to take my laptop and get it into some of my broadcast equipment does it do hdcp you know what that i don't know because it's usb 3.0 and the hdmi is i believe can, can for those for those of you who don't know can you explain what yeah. hdcp is yeah because not all and not every system will do that so HDCP stands for uh, it's compression. Uh oh, somebody put Sean on the spot. <laughs> you put me it's, on first. <laughs> Actually, to be honest, I didn't know either. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I know what it is, but I gotta I've heard it. What they I, just, I gotta remember what the acronym actually stands for. It's well, I think it's this high definition compression protocol, right? High bandwidth digital content protection. 
Right. So okay, it's, I was wrong. It's it's it's, H, it's usually over HDMI, but it can be over other protocols as well, USB three and that kind of thing. Basically, is your computer, the output is encrypted via HDCP 1.0, 2.0, and now they're slowly rolling out 3.0. Mm-hmm. A device on the other end, your TV, your monitor, your your encoder, your whatever is taking that in has to be able to read HDCP. Mm. If it doesn't, it doesn't pass the video. Now, this is just for video, right? Right, so right. you can have a device that has HDCP, it'll pass the audio just fine because it's not encrypting the audio, it's just encrypting the video. So Why, I was just though? Curious, I was just curious if that device would allow me to take an output from my laptop and put it into a recording device. Because that's the premise of HTTP is it prevents users from taking their computer or a laptop or an Xbox or anything like that and recording the content off of it through a non-legitimate source. Like if somebody was trying to make a copy of a DVD or something like that or a Blu-ray even. Okay, well, what about what about those capture cards? Those capture cards support HDCP or HDCP? It all depends on how cheap you want to go. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. So some that, do, that's some, the whole, some do, some don't. So that's the whole reason behind this is because they don't want to. They want to keep people from from copying or. I mean, right now the big thing is streaming, right? People want to stream, right? Yeah, right? yeah. So if they want to stream their PS5 or their H or their Xbox Series X or even the Nintendo Switch for that matter, are those pieces of equipment the PlayStation, the Xbox, and the Switch? Are they HDCP compliant? So the, the Xboxes produce HDMI out, output on HDMI is encoded HDCP. So like I have an Onkyo receiver that does HDCP. Then the output goes to my projector, which also supports HDCP. Because even though you have multiple HDMIs in the chain, the HD, HDCP passes down the data no matter how far down the chain you go. Hmm. So I could have a projector that doesn't support HDCP and it's not going to project the image. But so if most, I bought... consu- most consumer level stuff does support HTTP because it's for viewing. Right, right, but now, not for copying. When you, when you when you start getting into the capture cards and things like that, you have to be careful because you could buy a capture card that doesn't support HTTP. That's what I was about to say. So if you're like a brand new streamer and you're like, oh yeah, I want to stream me playing my Nintendo Switch, uh, mm-hmm. you have to have a capture card that supports HDCP. Otherwise, it's just not going to work. Correct. I was wow, uh, I was reading an article. There is an article available at gadgets-reviews.com where they actually say there's uh, some of the some of these products on the market will not support HDCP. So to play back encrypted or copy protected content, um, because of that, they they don't want you to um, to make those copies. And so you're going to find a lot of I think a lot of these aren't going to be able to do that. Hmm. It, and as the Standard grows, so it goes from one to two. Now they're going into three. What is and what isn't going to support it is easier for them to say, we're going to blacklist these items. We're going to blacklist this brand. We're going to blacklist this. Wow. For them to say, oh, you're coming in from, because like everything, everything has a MAC address or some sort of unique identifier, right? So what's stopping a company from producing a piece of equipment that stops you from using an Elgato Stream Deck? Yeah. Oh, good point. Or a Magwell stream capturing card, or you know, it's like it's wild because in the broadcast industry, industry for us, 
it's very hard for us to take, and especially in news too. So, hey, here's my phone or here's my laptop. I have this great video that I want you guys to put on the air that I shot on my phone or whatever. And to, for us to ingest that, it's complicated because we can't just take their laptop and plug it into the broadcast equipment because most broadcast level equipment doesn't support HTCP yeah, at, any, at any level. Yeah, sure. So, so they're not going to make it easy for anybody to do this when we really would love to have this easy solution. Right, because you have to remember too, HTCP, just like MPEG, it's a licensing thing. So if you make a piece of equipment yep. that supports HTCP, you, to pay for you that. are paying for that license for HTCP. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I do know about this Echo, uh, Echo Dot device is there are drivers, but you have to get them online. So it, the you don't get them, you know, they don't come in the box. You do It does come with a three-foot cable and comes with those two connectors. But to get the drivers, you actually have to uh, to get them, get them online. So you go to their website and you have to do that before you do anything else on that. This particular one looks like it does not support uh, the HDCP. So Ooh, that's okay. uh, that's important. Most consumer level stuff is going to support it. You were just saying that this like a, comp- a computer plugged into a docking station shouldn't require HDCP, right? Right. Yeah. But that output, the HDMI output from the dock may be encoded HDCP. Oh, the HDMI output. Okay, yeah. So like if you, if you did DVI or mm-hmm. you know, VGA, then you'd be well, fine. You could, but okay. Yeah, because those are analog. Sure, I guess. Yeah, you're right. So okay. you can come out DVI into a DVI input, for, but then you're also not going to be passing digital audio unless you have audio out, another another audio source. Yeah, that, All right. that makes sense. So, well, if you're, if you're looking for a hub to add two monitors, how about that? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> We're sitting here taking this in a whole different direction. Yeah, and it, it will support Mac as well, although uh, some of the reviews I read did say they had little issues with the Mac. It will not support Linux or Unix. So if you're using that, you can't uh, you can't why? use it for that. I don't know. I, I don't understand. If you could get a driver, why wouldn't it work? But they say no. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Yeah. All right. We're going to take another quick break. We come back with more of Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Sean DeWeird. And I'm Justin. Let me find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash tech talkers. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Larry the Cable Guy, and you're listening to Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. I'm Sean DeWeird. I'm Justin Lemmy. And I'm Andy Taylor. You know, I'm, uh, I couldn't believe this. The other day, I, I had not been on my Microsoft account for a while. And I logged on, and it said that they had a problem uh, processing my credit card transaction for the, um, the Game Pass, the PC Game Pass that I have. Dudes, I've not played. I haven't even fired that up in like two months that I didn't even notice. The Game Pass, Microsoft Game Pass? Yeah. Yeah, I'm I just canceled mine today. Did you really? What, yep. now, why? Why did you cancel yours? Because I'm not using my Xbox right now. Yeah, I, I'm not, and and there's no reason for me to be paying fifteen dollars a month for stuff that I'm not using. Now I get it. I'm, I guarantee there's going to be somebody listening out there who's going to say, "Wait, hold up, you got an Xbox Series X, and you're not using it." Like people are like really trying very hard to get themselves an Xbox Series X. They can't get it. Yeah, I've got one. It just sits here. I, I feel bad about it. Like, why did I get this? I'm not even using it. I know I'm going to use it in the future when there's more exclusive uh, Xbox Series X titles, but right now I'm not. Like the new Halo or something. Yeah, I'm, I'll probably play that. But yeah, for right now, I'm just not using it. I, I was kind of the same boat. I, every time I want to use it, something comes up and I got to finish it or I got to work on this, some web thing. And then 
you know, and it's like, I keep saying, I want to play. I've got the joystick. I've got the throttle. I want to play, you know, Microsoft Flight Simulator with the Microsoft ga- uh, Game Pass. And I just haven't. And then I didn't even notice it. It's been like two months now. So yeah. I'm so like. I recently have been playing Flight Sim again with my brother and one of my coworkers because they got it for the Xbox and it's on Game Pass. Mm-hmm. So the crossplay has been great with them. So it's another reason why I kept Game Pass but then I bought Flight Simulator, so I didn't technically need Game Pass anymore. But there are other games that I've played with my brother that require Game Pass that I like, and I don't want to lose those in case I want to go back and play them. But at any point in time, they could pull those games from Game Pass, and I wouldn't have them anyways. Exactly. Yeah. And now I'm kind of circling back to my kind of my mentality on digital content is if I pay for it, I want to own it. So the subscription model doesn't work for me for that. So it's like it's frustrating that. I'm paying $15 a month for games I don't own. I like them, but then Microsoft can just yank them out from me out from underneath me at any time. This, this whole game pass thing with the Microsoft thing reminds me very much. And I, I I don't know if you, either of you guys remember this, but the Sega cable channel, remember the Sega Genesis had this add on you could buy and you could subscribe through your cable provider and it would be a cable, you know, a cable TV input into your Sega with this adapter, like a, like a cartridge, that like a, like a regular game. I can't remember what it was called. Sega Channel. Sega Channel. Right. And uh, you would be able to just play a monthly subscription of games. But each month, those games would disappear. Now, granted, those are games that you could probably beat in a day or two. I mean, because back then, games were not that massive. Yeah, yeah. But now with this Microsoft subscription service, it reminds me very much of that where you're, you're getting these games every month, but at like, like Sean said, at any point, Microsoft can just say, Nope, no more. Now, granted, they do tell you, Hey, this game's going away this month or whatever. So here's your opportunity to purchase it at a discounted rate because you've already played it and you have your save game. So you can purchase a normally, I don't know, let's say a $40 game for 20 bucks, and we'll let you keep your save data because you've already got your save data on your Xbox. Does it kind of remind you a little of uh, the way Disney used to do their movies where, you know, you'd have a movie out and it'd be popular, and then suddenly they'd say, hey, this is the last month to get this. It's going away it's for going, good. It's going in the vault. Yeah. Yep. And then, if, so if you wanted to get it, you had to buy it right there and then, yep. you know, um, I kind of wonder, you know, if it's that same kind of thinking when it comes to that. And then you have to think, okay, when Steam comes up with a Steam Deck, which is going to be a handheld controller that'll be out in December, that you'll play the games that you have on Steam. Are they going to do the same thing? Or are the games that are on your Steam account will be the games you're going to be able to play on your Steam Deck? Steam is different. You you only get to play the games you have in your library. Right. At least, at least now. I mean, yeah, they, I don't know. Steam might do some sort of sus- subscription model in the future, but... Right now, as far as I know, Sean, uh, you can only play the games in your account, which means you've bought the games. I, it, it's it's going to be a computer. It's a computer. It's literally a handheld computer. It's going to be able to play the games on your Steam account. Now, obviously, there are games that are only for Mac or only for Windows or only for VR. So what games in my library are going to be eligible for well, handheld? They- so right now it says once you've logged into Steam Deck, your entire Steam library shows up just like any other PC. PC. So I'm curious if so... it's going to be the Windows only. I mean, Sounds more like often it. than not, 
games are only Windows. And there yeah. are very few that are Mac only because it's yeah. just easier to code for those. But sure. So so that would probably be our answer right there. It's probably going to be Windows only. I would love to have a device that is a handheld device where you can play the old games. Seriously, like Duke Nukem and Interstate well, this, 76. This and, will do it. And Doom. Yeah, you, you can buy all those games on Steam. Wait, you're kidding me. No. See, now that would make it worth the price of admission. Well, there you go. That's what the thing is, is you can play all those games. You can buy all those games on Steam. Steam has got millions of games. Right. Road Rash? You think they have Road Rash? That was such a fun game. Hold on, let me I'm look sure it up. Oh, I love that. You uh, remember well, that Road was Rash? A Sega exclusive, though. Yeah, you'd be riding down the road and, you, and you're on a motorcycle and you, uh, you're road racing. Rash. That was Steam, one of the fun Steam. games. Well, actually, it it does say it's there, right. but it says it's a Mega Drive. So you would have to buy the Sega Mega Drive and Genesis Classics. And then you could download Road Rash to go with it. Okay, all right, good. So, yes, you could play that on the Steam Deck. See, now that opens up so many more possibilities. That actually may be fun, more fun to do than the, the Microsoft um, uh, Pass, Game Pass. Yeah, are, you, are you thinking you can add it up later? Because I oh, have later, to, sure, when I start using my Xbox more often. See, I have to, the other day I tried to play, so I rented a movie that was done by a friend of mine, and I, I wanted to see it. This movie called Take Back, right, which has got Mickey Rourke in it. So I go to a Redbox, I get the movie, right? And I, I, I rent it, and I go bring it home to play it in my Xbox. It wouldn't play at all, no matter what I did. I could not get it to play. I rebooted the Xbox, uh, so my, my DVD drive is dead in my, in my Xbox. Hmm. So, I mean, that means I basically have to get a new one. I don't want to spend $400 for a new one, right? That doesn't make sense. What, because you can't play a DVD. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what what if I get a game? Oh wait, no, you game games. Yeah, everything's downloaded. digital now. That's true. So I guess I don't have to worry. The movie. I've got a closet over here full of Blu-rays, full. I mean, like two full shelves because we wanted to collect every Disney movie, every Studio Ghibli, all that stuff. Right? right. We wanted to collect them in physical format. It's getting harder and harder to actually find physical format players. Now, granted, the Xbox yeah. Series X and the uh, the more expensive edition of the PlayStation 5 will do that, but what's going to happen when it comes to the Xbox Series Infinity or whatever they're going to call the next one? Or they the totally PlayStation get rid of that. 6? They're going to get rid of physical media, so what am I supposed to do with that? But, but then again, I can find all of my Blu-rays. I can find them either on Hulu, uh, Plex server, uh, 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 Netflix, or whatever, and then I can find all of Studio Ghibli on HBO Max. So what do you what are you supposed to do? You know, because I know we got people listening that have the stacks and stacks of DVDs, CDs, um, Blu-rays. Maybe what do you do when you finally say that's it? I'm gonna declutter. I wanna I wanna sell them to the local uh, consignment shop or something, right? You know what 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 is that one famous one in Tucson? There, I remember uh, was it Georgia. Got, no, Georgia's. We got Goodwill. No, not Goodwill. White Elephant is great. No, the big one. Maybe it went out of business. Oh, Bookman's. Many years ago. Bookman's. Yeah. Bookman's yeah. Go to sell to Bookman's. Bookman's never gives you enough money for it. Well, what are you gonna do with it? Yeah. See, that's the thing. What do you do with it? But look what kind. Well, look what happened to to LPs, records. Mm -hmm. Okay. They went out of style. Like, yeah. who's gonna take the time to dig out this big crate full of vinyl records when we got these cool new CDs that have everything on it, right? Right. And then all of a sudden, what was it like? 2012 2014 right all of a sudden 
vinyl records had a resurgence and people are like, nah, man, I don't want the CD. I don't want Spotify. I want the original and record companies started releasing new and past albums back on vinyl again because people were like, nah, I want that. Do you think that could happen with CDs or DVDs? I don't think so because CDs they're compressed. Right, you don't get the great quality with it as you do with the vinyl. Well, now and, they're putting out the 180 gram vinyl, which has even got better sound to it. Sure, yeah, and that's the thing. If people like, if you're a true, you know, audiophile, you're 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 going to want that 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 pure sound. So you're going to want an analog recording of it, and that's where the 180 gram vinyl comes into play. But going forward, 20, 40 years from now, right? Do you think people are going to get nostalgic for? blu-rays no you don't think so no i don't think so i don't I think, think so either because yeah. the, the, the technology is going to be so good as the encoding gets better and as the internet gets better you're going to be able to stream ultra high definition over the internet why would you want to have a physical disc that you've got to put in that you've got to take care of if it gets a scratch okay, it doesn't work like you're yeah. I, I think i think you're missing my point though right look imagine this was 1970 yeah, but you know what, though, dude? Vinyl records, or let, no, no, I'm sorry. Let's imagine this was 1990 when right. CDs first came out. Vinyl was king, right? Why sure. would it, Why would I want to go to something new like this? But like, I think that's what you're kind of saying, Sean, is like, no, they're not going to miss that. I, I think you're going to something more convenient, but you're missing the original. I think you're, I think, though, there's a romantic, about, you know, romanticism about vinyl. Uh, honestly, because think about it, vinyl was not just about buying the the album. But vinyl, when you went out and you bought an LP, right, and, and and you take it from somebody who's bought many LPs in these in in the years, you bought it because of the artwork that was on that album. You bought it because of the liner notes that were inside that album. You would take it out in that mm. sleeve, and you could read the lyrics, you could read notes from the yep. artists, you could see photos from shows, and. There was, you could even, ha- people hung them on walls. You could do that for a while with CDs too. Yeah, but it just, it didn't have that same thing. You know, it just doesn't have that same feel. And I think the same thing goes with DVD movies, with Blu-rays. I okay. think everything's going to be delivered digitally. And I don't think we're going to miss DVDs mm-hmm. and Blu-rays. Because look at the problem I had. I wanted to watch a movie. I couldn't watch it. So I don't think, I'm not saying that it's not going to happen. I think it's going to be easy enough for people to get into the comfort, being comfortable with digital media. Now, I like physical media, just like Justin said. I've collected almost every Disney movie on Blu-ray and DVD. I've collected a lot of my favorite movies on Blu-ray and DVD. Okay. I'm waiting for the 4K Lord of the Rings to get released because I want to watch it in 4K. I have a 4K player. I've got a 4K projector. I'm ready to watch those. Okay. I'm excited to watch the extra bonus features. That's stuff you're not going to get on the digital side sure, because sure. who's going to put that? Who's going to catalog all that content digitally? Who's going? Are you going to have virtual DVD menus you can Thank watch you. or what? Yeah, I see your point. Th- so th- that's another thing too. Okay, exactly what Sean said. All that extra content that you get, those are the modern day equivalents of what you just said, Andy. Being able to go through and look at the pictures, read the notes from the artist. These are the modern day equivalents of what you're going to get when you go and stream. Kiki's delivery service, which is what I have in my hand right now on Blu-ray, you're not going to get all of the extra features, all the bonus features, including introduction by John Lasseter, uh, 
Ursula's painting, original Japanese storyboards, original Japanese trailers, right. creating Kiki's Delivery Service documentary, producer's perspective, scoring Mizuki, behind the microphone, Kiji and Gigi, flying with Gigi and beyond. And not only that, you can look at the back of the thing and read about the movie. Yeah, this so I, gonna I see be a you make a good point there. You you do make a really good point because yes, then you know a digital movie is what you you, you rent it, you, you, you rent say, it, you watch it, you're done, and you're done. You you get up, and you, you 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 might talk about it, but that's about it. So my biggest complaint is that corporations are going to go the cheap route. It is so cheap. Look for at them CDs to make it to make a digital version of something. Because it's one version and it goes out to everyone. They don't have to print two million Blu-rays or two million DVDs. The overhead cost has dropped significantly for them to stream. There is so much incentive for them to do that, but you get it. And more often than not, the masses who want just the digital are going to outweigh the voices of those who want the physical content, and that sucks. The because true I like fans. The physical content. The true fans like, are always yeah. going to want the physical content. Yeah, good point. Right. I yeah. like the physical content. I if, if I can, I'll buy the physical copy of my games because I like the physical copy. I like the book. I like having the cartridge. I like the... F- That's why they come up with those like Hero Edition and Legendary Edition where you get Criterion. all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. You guys want to buy some VHS tapes? I've got uh, some... <laughs> What's VHS? <laughs> now, VHS does not have to come back. No, please. no, please no. No. Re- Be kind, rewind. No, yeah. thank you very much. I'll just pop out the DVD. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll be back with more of Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Sean DeWeird. And I'm Justin Lemmy. Send us a tweet. What are your thoughts about Blu-rays and versus digital content? Yeah, what do you prefer? At Tech Talk Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Bill Gates, and I listen to Tech Talk Radio. And welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Sean DeWeird. And I'm Justin Lemmy. So the website of the week. Now, we haven't done this for quite a while, but yeah. this is a new one. I stumbled across this website, uh, not using StumbleUpon, but I stumbled across it. <laughs> it's a great website. It's called Photo Forensics. Now, it's not spelled photo as in the traditional P-H. It's actually spelled with an F. So F-O-T-O Forensics.com. If you ever wondered if you got a photo that's been doctored, right, mm. Photoshopped, if you will, this site is supposedly supposed to be able to tell you if it's been doctored. It does a bunch of like different uh, analysis on the photo and it can tell you. Now, I tried it with one particular photo that I know for a fact was doctored. Uh, it was a very cheap uh, Photoshop job done on it. And it didn't really tell me definitively if it was photo. Now, I maybe uh-huh. not. There's a lot of tutorials I didn't get a chance to go through. So maybe I'm using the website wrong. But I would think that just by going there, you go there, you either paste in a URL of an image or you upload a file from your computer and it should be able to tell you whether or not it's been doctored or not. So uh, you ever do that? You look at a picture, you go, come on, that can't be real. Yeah, you do that. I do. I do. I do. And so I want to try this out more. Now, I again, I just figured this website out just a few hours before the recording of the show. So I have not been able to actually test it very well, but I like the idea. All right, give us give us so that many. URL again. It's for... it's photo forensics. F-O-T-O forensics.com. Good stuff. All right, that's it for this week's Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Sean DeWeird. And I'm Justin Lemmy. Have yourselves a great week. Find us on the web, techtalkradio.com. See ya. <laughs>